All right, guys, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. It's great to be with you. I'm back in the studio. I've uh, been on the road for a while now, since mid-January, and it's good to be back home and um, working on editing together these Mexico episodes. We had a great time hunting down there, me and Brian Call and Lampers and Brad. Um, just we had a really fun trip, filled some tags, and um, yeah, I think we're already looking forward to trying to do it again next year. So all around a great trip and um, I hope you guys have been having a good winter so far and looking forward to spring. I know I am. Um, but anyway, I just got back from the Western Hunting and X, sorry, the Western Hunt and Conservation Expo in Salt Lake City. Um, it's a really cool uh, trade show. You know, if uh, if you're looking to get into the outdoor industry or you're just interested in checking out all the best gear and, you know, meeting uh, meeting some great folks and, um, you know, content creators and influencers and whatever you want to call them uh, in the space, it's a really cool opportunity. It happens every February in Salt Lake City. Um, and, uh, it's really just everybody in the kind of Western hunting world all under one roof for a few days. So it's really cool. I uh, highly recommend checking it out. Um, and also, you know, you can support the conservation efforts, the mule deer foundation, but, uh, anyway, I recorded a bunch of podcasts while I was out there with some, um, really great individuals. And, um, so for the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing those. Um, they are um, live recorded podcasts, and there are video versions as well of them on YouTube. Um, but uh, this week, I am going to do um, Mark Helsing from XO Mountain Gear and the Back Hunt Back Country podcast. Um, Tony Smotherman from BPI Outdoors, um, which is uh, Bergara Rifles, CVA and a few other outdoor brands, but a uh, really entertaining, cool guy who's been a lot around the industry and on several different TV shows for years. Um, so great guy. And the last one this week is going to be Robbie Denning. So if you've been listening for a while, you've heard me have a few conversations with Robbie. He's a great guy, legendary mule deer hunter, and one of the main dudes behind Rock Slide. So um, just a really great guy, great hunter. And um yeah, this week, I hope you enjoy uh, these fairly brief um, conversations. That's why I kind of have multiple guests per episode. Um, but yeah, so Mark Helsing, Tony Smotherman, and Robbie Denning this week. And so I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and we'll see you guys in the next one. All right, guys, well, I'm here at the Hunt Expo. I'm at the Seekins Precision booth with my buddy Mark from XO. Yeah. How you doing, dude? Good, man. It's good to be here. I'm glad you caught me today because I'm feeling two days I'm not going to have a voice. I know. Like, last year I wanted to sit down with you, but, like, every time I by the booth, you guys were just, like, freaking going. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to even mess with them. <laughs> yeah. This is, like, one of my favorite shows because we get to, like, honestly, yes, like, from... It's great showing off products, but talking with a bunch of our customers, it's oh, my yeah. favorite show because so many guys are here and come over and tell stories and all that. Yeah. It's fun. This is a great show. I mean, everybody seems to be at this show, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. So anyway, you were one of my early guests on the podcast, man. That was a long time ago. It yeah. feels like a long time ago. I don't it was actually like two know years when it ago. Was. It was two years ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because you were just getting started then, right? Mm -hmm. Like two, three years ago? Yeah, because yeah. y'all's podcast was like, I learned a ton just about backcountry hunting from y'all's podcast. Yeah. Um, so it was, I was excited. To I've learned a ton from our podcast. <laughs> Dude, me too. That's like the main way I've learned it, just by yeah. talking to guys yeah. do the podcast. Well, it feels like super selfish for me because it's scratching my own itch, right? Like, yeah. We've been doing it so long now, but I think we started in 2015, but it's... It, and it continues to be that way, but like I feel super fortunate to get people on the show, yeah, and just like I want to ask these questions. Oh, right? dude, absolutely, you know? yeah. It's like it's networking, and you're creating content. Yeah, you know, you're getting to know somebody, and I'm the same way. Like if I'm like if I got, for example, like a bear hunt coming up, I'm like, all right, who can I talk to as like an expert bear hunter? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and make content at the same time and learn. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's so cool. So yeah, it's a win-win. Yeah, man. How many episodes have you guys done at this point? I don't know. Like, so we. Um, we do like a weekly, what's like our primary episode is usually an interview based, yeah. like full length, hour-ish. And I know on that we're at like 370 or okay. something, but then we do what's called a Monday Minute episode, which is like shorter, more informal Q&A, usually yeah, Steve yeah. and I, and I think there's a hundred something of wow. those. So uh, you're up in the fours. Yeah, I think it's a little over five. During It's funny, during COVID, like when, when COVID very first started and you know, when it was like, oh, the country's going to shut down for two weeks. Yeah. Steve and I were like, let's do a podcast every day, like for the heck of it, because everything was shutting down. It was like super yeah. early. We didn't know what COVID was going to be. So like, we're like, okay, well, we're going to shut down for two weeks. Everybody's yeah. going to be at home. Let's podcast every day for these two weeks. Right. Or maybe it ends up being three weeks. And then it was like whatever. two years. And it was like two years. So <laughs> I think we did daily podcasts for like four to six weeks wow like we still your numbers were like short day. yeah it was crazy so because i feel like total. no matter how many you put out you have like a certain like listener kind of number yeah and even if you put out like eight episodes a month instead of four you're gonna get like double yeah listens yeah so it's like the more you put out the better and it's interesting to me how you know because we've been doing it since 2015 i'll continue to get emails on old stuff. On old stuff, oh, yeah. man. Like questions on, hey, you did that episode on, you know, whatever topic or had whatever guests. And I'm like, I don't yeah. remember that. And I'll go look. And I'm like, that was from 2017. <laughs> like, I forgot that yeah. that existed. That's you know? the beauty of those things. They don't, they don't go away. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, like now it's funny too. Like, because um, a lot of the guys that I like was introduced to on your podcast, like Dan Staten, like Ryan Lampers, like I've actually been able to hunt with now. Yeah. And like, it's cool to like go back and listen to like super old episodes with Dan. Yeah. And like, <laughs> just hear him talking. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. That's fun. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's cool, man. So, um, yeah. So you had a big time hunt in Alaska. So you were telling me a little bit about yesterday. Yeah. It was, um, for the last handful of years in particular, I've really wanted to hunt mountain goats. Yeah. And I've always thought about it and always wanted to. But what then, is it about the mountain goat that attracted you? I think they're very cool animals, like just the animal themselves. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's as much like the place, like yeah. goat country, right. right? And not only that, but I think what's part of what makes the animal cool to me is that they, and it's interesting when you look at mountain goats, because they do behave differently in different places, like in the lower 48, even in parts of Alaska, like even the area of Alaska I hunted, they've done studies, they've collared goats, and some goats will come down in the winter, and some goats just like stay just up, stay. stick it out, like find a way to make it work. And I think that's like from a, called a personality of goats perspective, uh -huh. the fact that they'll literally stay in the mountains yeah. like all winter and just like make it work they're just tough animals you know was it typically like the old males will do that or is it just kind of doesn't really matter gender or 
It, it tends to be a little bit, yeah. but it's mixed. Yeah. Um, there's some, that's the other thing I like about mountain goats. And in, in some instances, they fly under the radar. Uh-huh. Like they're not as known, they're not as studied as some of the other animals. Sure, they're yeah. just not as common. They don't have as much trophy appeal to a lot of guys as like sheep. But right. to me, um, I would still rather, like, if you take dollar for dollar, I'd still rather go on three goat hunts than one sheep hunt. Yeah. For example, but and is it about is that about what the I mean? Are? It depends what sheep, yeah. But yeah. like, but it's a lot more affordable and stuff. Oh yeah, way more yeah. affordable. But yeah, to me, it was like getting in. I'm fascinated by the animals. I started like reading. There's old books from like Chadwick and these other guys, yeah, um, who really studied goats decades ago. And I was like reading all that stuff, and I just kept getting more and more interested. Any other like interesting things about goats? Because I don't know anything about them. Yeah, I mean a lot of out. stuff. It um, like. The dynamics of how they interact is pretty interesting, uh-huh. right? Like males tend to keep to themselves, um, obviously until it's time to mate. But right. even then, like you get these males who have been off the whole year. But one interesting thing with goats, you don't necessarily see as much with like common ungulates, deer and elk and stuff is the females, the nannies will like, they can be aggressive towards the males, mm. right? So males will come in um, but then females will like try and keep them off and kick okay. them out. And, and I'm sure they do fight, right? Yeah, they do a bit. Um, do they like, or do they, do they like spar? Or what yeah, do they do? it's more of like what you'll see them do is they'll they'll circle each other uh-huh. and they'll you know they have the short hook horns and they'll actually try and hook each other. Uh, so it's much less head to head stabbing and more of like a stabbing or like yeah. some sort of like wound from that. Um, and then other interesting things like with goats, they don't have predators, right? Partially because the okay. country they're in. Because where they're at, yeah. Um, and then one thing I learned about goats that I had no idea years ago is like one of their main predators is actually can be eagles. So like eagles will swoop in, and especially young goats, yeah. and just try and like knock them off of cliffs no and bluffs. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, and so a lot Whoa. of their... And then just eat their bodies. Yeah, it's crazy. And weird. then natural death just from falls and stuff like that. So. Now, I've heard that they can absorb bullets like almost no other animal. Yeah. Did you find that? So it was interesting I, when I... I saw a film the other day. This dude shot one like six times before it died or something. Yeah, and it could be with like a three thirty eight, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's interesting when I when I knew I was gonna book a hunt. So backing up, I was fascinated with goats for a long time. Wanted to hunt one eventually, yeah. right? Um, and then got to the point where I was like, I could keep saying eventually for the next sure. two decades. Um, so I made a goal for myself of like, all right, I'm gonna do a mountain goat hunt when I'm 40. Um, Are you 40? No, I'm 38. So nice. I had a schedule. I want <laughs> a schedule. I still want to do another one when I'm 40. Yeah. No, why not? <laughs> so I'm still holding to that goal. I'm gonna do a mountain goat hunt when I'm 40. Um, but just a long story, circumstances, I had this opportunity that came together um, with a friend to go, with a guide I got to know, and yeah. it, was, it was right, and it happened last year, and it was super cool, but um, yeah, it was just like, so when I knew I was going to go on a hunt, I wanted to independently reach out to a bunch of guides and outfitters and ask their opinions about rifles about rifles and not all guides and outfitters are rifle guys but at least they have the experience of taking clients and seeing seeing lots of goats go down they're going to have an opinion on what works and what doesn't and i just like reached out i didn't say who i was i had a podcast or anything like that i was just like you know i'm i'm getting serious about booking a goat hunt i'm still figuring out when and where but i'm just curious like if you can tell me real quick like what's your opinion on like ideal cartridge and bullet choice yeah um it was all over the map Oh, just was it? all over the map. <laughs> yeah. So you get, you. there's like two main schools of thought. One is 
goats are tough, so you need a tough bullet. So you need to go with like a mono metal or a partition or something bonded, yeah. what have you, like get penetration. The opposite flip side of that is goats are known to be tough. They do, if you look at their anatomy, they're built much bigger in the front. Right. Probably um, to survive falls off cliffs and stuff. Yeah, and just the way they climb, yeah, right? Yeah. So their upper body and their chest and all that is is tough. But if you look at them, they're called what's slab-sided. Uh-huh. So they're not super deep, okay. like cavity-wise. Yeah. And so this other school thought is, yes, goats are tough, but here's the problem. A tough bullet just penetrates too much. Just goes straight through. And goes straight through. So you actually need to use something more explosive, like a go to a burger style, right? Yeah. Um, so all different schools of thought. I asked a dozen plus different guides and outfitters. Yeah. Had no consensus. <laughs> um, considered a bunch of options myself. In the long in the long run, I ended up using an Acubon bullet. Um, okay. It worked great. Which I had cartridge? a um, seven psalm. Did you build a whole new gun for this hunt, or no? I had the seven psalm um, already. I did, and I was wanting to do this anyway. But a, a few years ago, I started shooting suppressed, and I had yeah. that rifle. I just got mine like a couple like a month ago yeah but i haven't really started it's hard to go back man yeah i'll never go back so i started shooting suppressed a few years ago side note yeah so i know you'll probably know the answer to this yeah maybe okay not. i have i have a loophole scope with a custom dial on it mm-hmm. that i set before i got my suppressor yeah if i you know reset it re-zero the rifle do you think the dial will still be good to go for that setup or i get a, have to get a whole new dial so the the suppressor alone like as you said you may have to re-zero right yeah definitely so, have to re-zero but yeah you think the dial will still be on so the only way that the suppressor should invalidate or change the dial and the accuracy of the dial is if you get a big velocity shift from a suppressor which shouldn't be huge right? which usually isn't yeah. um it's usually in the ballpark of like two percent so a lot of guys will say oh with the suppressor you'll get faster speeds yeah it it's isn't always point, the case but, really. but it's also like oh yeah it's faster if you mean faster being seven feet per second then maybe so your dial honestly is probably still gonna be okay good. so, so anyway, that was a side note but build a new rifle uh nozzler acubans What's it, what is it? Is a it's a bonded bullet. Bonded? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I had I've had a really great. I switched to copper monos. Yeah. I've shot hammers a bunch. Oh yeah, yeah. I shot really them good. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They leave that awesome trail too, so that's cool. Yeah. That oil like the <laughs> yeah, vapor burn off trail. Yeah. yeah. But um. But then yeah, I, I was my buddy was hand loading stuff for me. Um. But it just wasn't sustainable. Like he lives three hours away, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, he could he load me up like twenty at a time, and yeah, I, like, I can't. So you're shooting like a Barnes now? Now I'm shooting Barnes, uh, the Vortex, sort of V-O-R-T-X. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've had really good luck with them. Yeah. Um, in 300 Wind Mag and on my 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Is that a, like, a, probably 120-something a for your Creedmoor? Um, the grain bullet? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is 120. Yeah. Yeah, 120 and 180 for the 300 Wind Mag. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, so, oh yeah, so building a rifle. I didn't build a new rifle. One change I did make before this hunt, which I was planning to do anyway, was... Because of the suppressor and the added length, I went to a chassis system just okay. to have the folder. Yes, um, it's nice. And Which, it wasn't because of this hunt, but it was a lifesaver for this hunt, for Which sure. Which rifle did you go with? The chassis, I'm running the XLR. Okay. Yeah, the XLR Element. Okay. Yeah, nice. and actually I have, so the XLR, XLR Element and then there's the MDT Hunt 26. Those are the, the I don't want to say the two best chassis, period, but they're the two best lightweight folding chassis so when it comes to like backpack hunting those are the top two options um and i've got to run both actually i have an article coming out next week like comparing them so um they're both great there's just like details pros and cons difference i shot a seekins gas gun i'd be 
I would like to shoot the Havoc and try it, uh, yeah, but I'm I, also a lefty, so uh, okay. they don't have... I hunted with the Havoc this year. Yeah. It's, it's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I liked yeah. it a lot. I was actually just talking uh, with a friend at home, actually a friend of a friend, and he was looking at new rifles, and you know, I was talking to him about budget and what he was looking for and options, and the, the Havoc like fit that, what yeah. he was looking for well, and that's definitely one of the recommendations I yeah. gave to him. They're, they're sweet, man. But anyway, so... Yeah. How did your bull perform on the goat? It was good, but I also had a, a really interesting shot presentation. Okay. The goat was bedded and like facing me, like a hard quartering, um, and I really had to thread a needle, make a good shot. That's so. interesting because my mule deer was the same way, bedded directly facing me. I yeah. just shoot him bedded here. Yeah. He, but he didn't move an inch. Mm-hmm. Like his legs were still folded under him. Like yeah. That's good. How, how did it go through your... I've shot deer... No, you say that. I, I shot a deer in Kodiak Island, a black-tailed deer, uh-huh. um, year before last. Same deal. He wasn't bedded, but, like, the angle, I was head-on, and I was above him and shot low. And it was the quickest I've personally Dude, have killed an frontal animal. Frontal shots are yeah. deadly. Yeah. It was I don't the know, quickest. I, I think... I don't know. They kind of get a bad rap. I'm not sure why. Yeah. But to me, it's like... You know, if you're looking at the animal like this, it's kind of like with the if they're broadside, you can mm-hmm. miss bad and hit guts or uh, like a back leg or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like this, you either like hit the thing and kill it or you miss. Yeah, <laughs> I mean not yeah. completely. No, because like, if you miss like what would be a vital shot, more center cavity, you're probably taking out a shoulder. Right. Meaning you're you're probably limiting mobility and getting a second follow up yeah. shot pretty quick. So I've, uh, it's been a, and then so for me, I think that's a really deadly shot. I don't know why people are so kind of against it, but. Um, other thing that is interesting, so you shot your goat, he was bedded, right? So he was bedded, it was, he was essentially frontal, but he kind of had his like head kicked out. Mm-hmm. So he was showing me like the yeah. shoulder. And so I was able to kind of sneak it past him and get there and then goats known for being tough. He went up, went to get to his feet, struggled a little bit, but made it to his feet. Wow. And then I had a broadside shot and it just dumped him. Goats being tough. He's laying there on the edge of <laughs> this cliff yeah and i just dumped him and he's down he was like his paw just was like boom like that and what's funny is this goat this uh this hunt was filmed and you hear the guide go put more put one more in him just to make sure he stays there and so reload send it and soon as that third impact hit him i'm, I'm not sure if it was the goat moving or if it's just like impact of the bullet but the bullet hits him, boom, he lurches, just like he's down, but he just, ugh. Yeah. And he just, oh. <laughs> and he, like, it was a, a little over 200 yard shot, but there was these avalanche shoots between uh. where I was and where the goat was. And so he falls off this cliff, disappears into an avalanche shoot. Oh, jeez. And we were waiting to see, like, is he gonna roll and, like, come out where he had visibility? We never did. Um, and then the recovery, we ended up finding him, but. From our perspective, what was one avalanche shoot was actually like three. Yeah. <laughs> and they were nasty. So it took us, you know, I took a 200 like yard scree. shot. Yeah. yeah. I took a 200 yard shot. He fell between us and his original location, and it still took us like an hour and a half to get to him or to locate him, yeah. right? Um, and then he was in another spot where when we did find him, he. He got hung up on this tiny little tree, yeah. but was not in a spot where we could physically get around him or process him or take care of him. So we actually had to let him go and tumble even further. Ooh, so okay. turned into a typical like 
<laughs> at least the meat was tenderized. Yeah. So <laughs> thankfully he didn't get busted up or yeah. anything like that. He, he was, was a pretty in, good Billy. Pretty good shape. Yeah, it was. Um, he was a younger Billy, um, but something I was happy to take. The skipping ahead, like we talked about the shot. It was day nine of what was supposed to be a seven yeah. day hunt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. Uh, it Is was. It, when's the film gonna come out? Probably. Probably in March. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we're looking forward to check that out. Yeah, so it's 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 funny to me. I, I've been on hunts that have been filmed. I've never had just like just my hunt filmed. Yeah. Right. So, I've hunted with like Born and Raised and right, right, right. and done like more group hunts that have been yeah, filmed. Yeah. And it's really I'm team pure elevation, right? Yeah, pure elevation <laughs> stuff I've been with. Nice. Um, but this is the first like okay, it was here's your hunt. just my hunt yeah. that was filmed. And I think because of, you know, it, it was nine days, we had all these ups and downs, we had all these weather windows, we had landslides, we had like all this crazy stuff. And it's, it really showed me that even though this film's gonna end up being probably like 35, 40 minutes, like so much you can't show, right? Oh yeah, dude. And to me, like the hunt is all about the experience. And it, just, it was just like another reminder of, on, on one extreme, like social media, right? Like quick photos and stuff like that. like often don't tell right anything story, right. right like um and i'm not like anti-trophy photo but to me like the hunt is all about the experience and sure. the story and everything and so it's it's um like hunting media it's different. whatever you think about it there's good there's bad but one thing i struggle with like whether it's photo video sometimes even podcasts like it's just hard to truly encapsulate a full story and like oh, what yeah. something means to somebody, you know? Absolutely. I'm glad to have this hunt filmed, even for myself personally to go yeah. back and relive, but it's also like what you see as an objective viewer versus like what I experienced in nine days of playing yeah. with these solid dudes was like, you just can't recreate it, right. you know? At least you can, you can backfill all the rest stuff in your mind. You yeah, know? for sure. I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. Right? I can. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, try, dude, try squeezing it into 22 minutes even. I dude, mean, I can imagine. Yeah, it's, but that, that is a tough part. So real quick, this is interesting. Um, some people feel like I don't. Some people think that like shooting animals in their beds is like unethical. Mm. I don't. I shot two this year in their bed. What do you think about that whole thing? I, I've, it's not um, my initial like personal opinion is I I don't see a, I guess obviously if you have a good shot presentation so I even look at it differently with like archery versus rifle right like um, you have to know the presentation of the animal the capabilities of your weapon and ultimately at the end of the day all that means is can it take an ethical clean shot yeah so if you can do that, I personally don't have a problem with it. Yeah. It'd be interesting because it's not, even like all the podcasts I've done, that's not a topic I've thought. So what I would be curious to ask is like, the people who think that that is yeah. unethical or not like right, why? like what's their argument? Right. Is it because the animal I've heard some people say like their vitals are like a smaller target because they're like up or they're shifted or something. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I think it goes back to capability, yeah. but that's the same for anything, right? Like. Yeah. Um, should some hunters take a frontal shot? Should some hunters take a shot when animals bet it? Should some take something that's quartering two, quartering away, whatever, right? All that is really, at the end of the day, not about the presentation, but about the capabilities and competence of the Absolutely. hunter, right? Like yeah. can, it's a case-by-case case thing. It's case-by-case case thing, yeah. And that's like, you know, case-by-case, case, like what shots are you willing to take or what's your max shot distance? To me, that's always a hard question because it's like, what are the conditions, Exactly. right? Like. 
Am I prone? Am I sitting? Yeah. yeah. What's my position? What's yeah. the wind like? What's my heart rate? What did I come Absolutely. off of? Like, how much time do I have? Absolutely. Like, there's all these variables that I think when it comes to things like quick, easy answers with situations like that, they're just there Good isn't one. Very true. Yeah. So is the film going to be on the XL YouTube page or? Yeah, we'll put it out on YouTube. Um, you know, we'll send out something like in our email, stuff yeah. like that. So. Hopefully. And then real quick before I let you go, I know you're yeah, probably busy, but you guys are just released your K4. Yeah. 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 How so is this? Um, yeah, it's exciting, man. We've, we've truly been working on it for like three plus years. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's been so much internally that we've done um, and been excited about. And then like back in 2021, you know, we had been working on stuff for a while. In 2021, we put it in the hands of like 40 guys and was like, all right, let's kind of cast that net wider, get more feedback, like, um, and then made revisions after that. And then this past year, we had like 150 guys run nice. it. Um, so we've been working hard for several years and then to finally be able to like be here is really the first time we've been public about it but yeah. actually like let the cat out of the bag like show it to customers have people try it is honestly it's just really rewarding because yeah. we've been working on something for three years and it's finally like all right now we can talk about it absolutely now we can show it now we can put it out there but you know we don't ever we don't ever release stuff just to release stuff, right? right? So I know you guys are really thoughtful about what you put out. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had an update since 2019. Yeah. Um, and so because we don't just release new stuff every year, like here's the 2023 pack, this isn't what it is. It's Here's what we've been working on for three to four years. Like we're super excited to share it, come check it out. Yeah. So yeah, it genuinely is exciting to get it out there. Um, this hunt, obviously we were running it. I, yeah. It's funny because we launched K3 in 2019, and I think I've maybe done one hunt with K3 since then. Okay. Because we've just always been trying stuff. Yeah. And we tried with K4, what is now K4? We even talked about changing the name, so it's funny to call it K4, but we've, we spent time trying so much different stuff, right? Yeah. We didn't want to create like the next K3. Right. Um, we wanted to like start with a blank slate and just, what, what do we want to do? Like, here's our goals is what's the best way to do this right so frame shape frame material frame design bags like we've tried so much different stuff and a lot of times you you have an idea that you think is great but until mm -hmm. you spend time in the field with it right whether it's like fit comfort performance or whether it's just like on the bag side like oh we think this pocket design would be great or this type of zipper or whatever right it sounds great it may look great and then you go on two hunts and you're like oh this is actually not gonna work yeah. or maybe it works for like an archery elk hunt but doesn't yeah. work for like a november rifle hunt right yeah. you have to put stuff through like all those different scenarios yeah. there's just some things like you cannot replicate you just have to like hunt with it yeah yeah, so there was some stuff like we were even really excited about, um, like as recently as last spring, and then like on spring bear season, we're like on a hunt, and it was like, it's not that it's bad, it's just that's the other thing is you make trade offs, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, here's this idea, it's good, it has these benefits, but what are the trade offs, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and then obviously, when like this year, you put it in the hands of 150 guys, you get 150 opinions, you know? Yeah. So, but it's exciting, man, we're super happy with how everything cool, turned man. out and also knowing again because we don't release new stuff often like this is not only k4 for this year but this is the next for a know, while four yeah. five beyond right yeah. like years of stuff that and there's some there's some capabilities in k4 that we haven't talked about yet that we can build on in the future which is Sweet. exciting yeah so you gonna get out there for spring bear this year yeah for sure yeah nice. i'm excited to get out for spring bear and 
Um, still figuring out fall plans that obviously not all applications and stuff yep. are in, but I have some tags already set and some plans set. We're going back to Kodiak in November. Oh, nice. I love, love so Kodiak, that's, You've done that. I did it in August, so a very different experience, but yeah. still really cool. I mean, I loved it. Yeah. It was all lush and green. Yeah. Some of the bucks were still in velvet. Um, I want to go early. I've, I've done November a, a couple times. This will be my third time in November. Okay. Um, but I want to get that early season experience. Early is cool. Too. We were up a we were up in a goat a goat lake. That's yeah. what they. I mean, we were up there, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was beautiful up there. So. Yeah. But yeah, man. Well, thanks for your time, dude. And dude, thank I you. Appreciate you, all you guys do for putting out educational content out there, and yeah, it's a great resource, though. So. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, man. brother. Yep. All right. All right. I'm here with Tony from Bergara Rifles. How you doing, man? Matt, anybody, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I can tell I like you because you're southern. I am Southern, Nashville, <laughs> so Tennessee, man. Okay, so I don't have the Nashville drugs. I was born there, but we moved away when I, I was a baby. I try to comedianize myself when I go to different parts of the country, but yeah. it's hard to hide, so yeah, I yeah, apologize yeah. for that. <laughs> um, so you grew up hunting out there? Or? I did, man. Yeah. So so I grew up hunting outside of Nashville, Tennessee, but um, my nickname is Traveling Hunter. It's what everybody calls me and have for years. Okay. So even though I live in Nashville, I spend most of my time where we're at right now in the West. Okay. I the West has always been a fascination for me. Me too. Uh, so I always try to spend as much time out in this portion of the world as I can. Me too, man. That's kind of what started me on this whole media journey and the podcast and now the show and yeah. and kind of showing guys from the Midwest, the East, that you can come out here, you can do it on public land, you well, can have fun, have yeah. adventure. So the, the most amazing thing is, of course, obviously we live, we live one life. It's a very short life, yeah. in essence. Right. And everybody says, oh man, one of these days, yep. one of these days I'm gonna go west. Well, if you don't go now, yeah, you ain't one, getting any younger. you're not getting any younger. <laughs> Tags aren't getting easier to get. Not easier to get, we're not promised tomorrow. Yeah. And really, at the end of the day, from Nashville, Tennessee, I can be in Wyoming in 20 hours. So yeah. it's not like it's another country. Yeah. It's a day's hard drive away from your home. Yeah. So going west, if you want to go west, you need to make plans to do it. Yeah. Or even jump on an airplane like I do. It's not. Well, that too. That too. It takes a little bit more logistics, but um, dude, I did the drive last year. I drove to Idaho for spring bear. Oh, that's a it, poke, dude. It was three solid days. Yeah, of that's driving. a poke from Virginia. So, but hey, I'm not trying to dissuade anybody. I'm just saying, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, but yeah, get on a plane. So. Did you, when did you start coming west to hunt? Man, I think my first run uh, westward was probably in 99. Okay. Of course, we're here. What in, kind of hunt was it? Mule deer in Wyoming. Nice. Haven't missed a year since. Wow, that's And awesome because too. of that, now now we got a place in Wyoming. So, like, I, I feel like Wyoming is my second home yeah. now. Wyoming's you know? where I got my start, too, with antelope. Oh, was yeah. it really? Yeah. That's like, I feel like antelope's, like, the best way for new western hunters to kind of get... Oh, for Into sure. It. It's just you know, kind of approachable, and it's and it's and it's not a really, it's not a hunt that you got to go out and do five thousand push-ups a day and run yeah, ten miles a day in right. preparation to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you can kind of ease into the exactly. western atmosphere. The altitude's not going to kill you. Right. You're not got to be in super shape to make it happen. Yep. And in theory, tags are pretty reasonable to get a hold of too. Yeah, yep. that's a good way to start, man. So. Um, but what would you do this year? Any cool hunts this year? Oh man, absolutely. So, um, so we did. Wyoming muley, Wyoming antelope, Montana elk, um, Oklahoma whitetail, Texas whitetail, Tennessee whitetail, Ohio, wow. Indiana, Illinois, Missouri whitetail. Okay. So I did a few stops. You did a few stops. You are a traveler. So how'd you do on your uh, Wyoming antelope? Bro. So 
So I hunt in the southeastern portion of Wyoming, just outside of Nebraska. And okay. I think there probably is more antelope there than it is humans. Yeah. So if I if I told you a story that was not successful, I'd be a really piss poor hunter. <laughs> Dude, it is a target rich environment. It is a target rich environment. I went this year to a zero point one hundred percent draw unit. And I okay. still killed two in two days. Dude, if you can, <laughs> if you can get the tag and make your way there, yeah. it's going to be a successful. And spend trip. a day driving around and looking, and you know. Oh yeah. I mean, the the place I was hunting, the unit's a great habitat, great numbers, but it's just very little private land. Okay. Are sure. you hunting public down there? Or? No. So I'm hunting private ground okay. down there. That portion of Wyoming. So there is a ton of public ground in Wyoming, but that portion of Wyoming that I'm in, in the southeast corner, not much. It's not much public. It's mostly private down yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the the where my goats were, we're on like a one mile square chunk of state land surrounded by a private. Yep. And they just happen to be on that one spot. I'd rather be lucky than good any day. Yeah, man. So that's cool, man. So how long have you been at Vergara? So I've been at Vergara since 2009. Okay. So I actually started on the CBA side of things, uh, which is okay. has been our most. You know Greg side. Ritz then? I do know Greg Ritz. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sure enough. Uh, so my background in, in this hunting industry, um, muzzleloading has always been my thing. Okay. Uh, I actually worked for night muzzleloaders from 1994 till 2009. I used to have an old night disc rifle myself. Oh. Yep, yep. You're good. Yep, so I started working for those guys, and that's kind of what got me in the industry. Uh, then I started working for CVA in 2009, and about that same time we were bringing Bagara to the light if okay. you will. Uh, Bagara's always been a barrel manufacturer. Uh, today here in Salt Lake City, obviously a bunch of amazing rifles behind us, so we're now into production rifles. Uh, and underneath our production side of things, um, we have two lines of the Bagara family. We have our Premier side and our B14 side. Our B14 stands for Bagara 2014, okay. which is the first year that we brought Bagara to gotcha. the light as a production rifle manufacturer, okay. not just a barrel maker. So, totally unsolicited opinion here. Off the record, if you're gonna buy, want to take my cap off here? <laughs> no, I do need a muzzleloader. Where where would you start looking? Oh man, um, CBA or? Well, so it, today uh, here in 2023, where we're sitting today, there's really only two manufacturers of muzzleloaders left in this world. Uh, it's us uh, on the CBA side of things uh, and traditions. Okay, and yeah. traditions is a, a very small portion of yeah. the business market. Um, on the CBA side of things, we are the number one muzzleloader manufacturer in the yeah. world. I've been looking at the Acura. The Acura is amazing. Yeah. For a break open, that is our top end break open muzzleloader. Um, and even though it's not a bolt action gun, it's still, depending on the shooter, obviously, it's yeah. still a 400 yard muzzleloader. Yeah, crazy. I mean, with, with technology, you know, of course, technology of what we, we're doing here today with these amazing bolt guns here on the Vagara side of things, uh, but technology has touched everything from the microphones that we're using to the cell phones that we have in our pockets. Technology yeah. has touched everything, and the muzzleloading world is no exception to that. Yeah. Uh, muzzleloading has come a long ways over the last five, six, seven years uh, to the point now where that these guns are very capable of long-range shooting. Uh, the projectiles that we're building, uh, the muzzleloading bullets that we're building today is so much more amazing than they were even 10 years ago. Yeah. So technology is pretty amazing in everything that we touch. And so you've been in the, you've been working in the hunting industry for a long Since time Since I was 19. Now. Wow. Yeah, this okay. gray hair on the side of my face is not 19 anymore. <laughs> so, um, and you're interesting because you're from the southeast like myself, but spent a lot of time hunting out west. And I've been kind of like really thinking this year a lot about the differences in like hunting culture and just, just the little differences that you don't really start picking up on until like a couple years in. You bet. What are some of the biggest differences that you found in like the kind of the hunting culture and kind of... 
You know, I, so again, my background is, is muzzle loading, and I, I started muzzle loading more not because I was fascinated by hunting with a muzzle loader, but more of the opportunities that a muzzle loader hunter has yes. in a lot of the Midwestern states. So I started out as an outdoor rider, it's what got me okay. to being here today. And um, the Midwestern states is where all the biggest whitetail come from. Mm -hmm. And in those states, in most cases, you can't use a centerfire rifle. Right. Um, it was muzzleloading only for quite yep. a long time. Yeah, the county I grew up in was shotgun, bow, muzzleloader only. See, there you go. So a lot of the Midwestern states are the same way. And I think the craziest thing is when I go out west and hunt with a muzzleloader, people look at me like I have four eyes. They're like, why would you bring a muzzleloader out in this portion of the country? Yeah. Um, it's just something that I really like, hunting yeah. with a muzzleloader. So you'll hunt rifle seasons even with a muzzleloader just for fun? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. Again, technology like has advanced muzzleloader. You're a Jeremy Shockey type. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> I mean, Jim Shockey, not yep, Jeremy yep, Shockey. Yep. That's a, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's cool, man. So anyway, so you were saying some of the differences in hunting culture between the southeast and the west. You know, it, it, it's so different. Everybody's mentality is different. You know, like like our culture here and or there in the southeast where I'm from is we hunt out of tree stands. Yeah. Everybody out here, if you talk about a tree stand, they laugh at you because right. you know, oh, I gotta, I gotta move, I gotta walk, and yeah. and I get it. I have to shuffle between the different cultures, between hunting in a tree stand in the Midwest and the South to come out out west, and it's mm -hmm. all boots on the ground, yep, burning shoe leather, yep. beating feet, covering ground. Yep, it's totally different, man. Like some of the things I've noticed this year is like, so for me, when I see a deer, because usually when you're whitetail hunting, right? You got a few seconds. You're gonna see an idea. You're gonna see an idea and have to identify if you want to shoot it or not and shoot it all in about 30 seconds. Or you could be in and out. That's right. Right. Yeah. Out west, you know, these guys sometimes will look at a deer for a day or two or days oh, or so, weeks before so, they shoot it. So, so like they're analyzing this thing. For me, it's like, oh, it's a nice deer. Let's shoot it. That's right. They're like, I don't know how big is the eye guard on the left side. Okay, is is how's the tine length? Is he got mass? You know, they're like analyzing these so, things. So obviously, we're here at the Western Hunting Expo and. Um, I talked to a guy just a few minutes ago, and of course, a, a little off topic, but he was elk hunting. He said, oh, I watched that elk for five days before I decided to shoot him. Yeah. I'm like, bro, it don't happen back in Nashville, no. Tennessee, son. No, you see something, you're like, I might never see that joker again. <laughs> it's going it down. Now, son. Yeah, and so I'm still really learning that. So, like, you know, I, my hunts this year, I tagged out all my hunts. Um, but there were a couple times where maybe could have waited a few more days and shot a little bigger one. Yeah. But I'm just learning that, you know. It's just totally different kind of deal. Total different For me, deal, it's like man. opportunity, decent deer. Let's take it. You know, but but I so so growing up hunting out of a tree stand, I'm looking back now, going, you know, I wonder. I, I was hunting, yes, but I was more waiting. Yeah, yeah, really. I yeah, was honestly, waiting. You're waiting. And when we come out west out hunting. here, it's hunting because it's all on you to understand the terrain structure, yep. to be in shape, to be able to beat feet across these hills and mountains out here. Yeah. Um, understand wind and thermals that we don't have to deal with much back there so yeah you're it's a different hunting, ball game different ball game man and it just intrigues the devil out of me and that's me why too. if you want to go west you need to go west because yeah. it's amazing yeah and you gotta get the gear and just a whole new skill so but it's fun it's not like something you can't do it's a fun experience it's a journey something i've been really enjoying the last three years you so bet. it's good to talk to somebody that's been kind of through that same thing man. oh man it's a learning process for sure dude but yeah. it's awesome yeah well it's good talking to you dude hey, you got man. any cool hunts lined up this year so obviously right now we're just at the, at the start of February. Right. So still got a lot of tags that's going to be going in play. Sure. Uh, some of the same stuff will always happen, like the, the Midwestern stuff where tags are over the counter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Texas kind of stuff will happen. So we're still waiting on to figure out what we're going to do for Colorado stuff, Montana stuff, Wyoming stuff. Because, well, just like two days ago is when the Wyoming tags were due for elk. So right. we just got those in, but we don't we haven't applied yet for mule deer and antelope in Wyoming yet because we're still 
before yep. the application date. Yep. So, so still got a little time to figure out the the western trips. But yep. yeah, it'll be a good did year. You, say you hunted sure. Montana this year? I did. Elk yeah. though. Elk September. Yeah. Uh, no, so it was a rifle hunt. Okay. So we were there hunting with the Bagar rifles. The general tag or? Uh, no, it was tag? a draw tag. We were over in the western side, over around the uh, Hamilton area. We were hunting uh, in the Bitterroots in the Sapphire Mountain region over okay. there. Um, but yes, it was late season, November. I'm looking, um, I should draw my um, Montana General rifle elk tag this year. Oh man, awesome. So I'm looking at options for that. It will be fun. Yeah. And then hopefully it'll be before the weather gets there because well, I always dude. draw that special tag about every two years. It's always in November and the snow's always knee deep to giraffe and the mm -hmm. weather's 15 below zero. Yep. I, I, I hunted the general rifle tag this year. Mm -hmm. Shot a nice big 26 inch wide two point. Cool oh, yeah. Little buck. But anyway, yeah, first night we got there, negative 23. Yeah, that's rough. And I mean, dude. I'm from Virginia. 23 is cold. Bro. Negative 23 is like, my but cameraman was I laughing at me that. how much stuff I was putting on. <laughs> I can't even spell negative 23, man. But I feel like once it gets to like around zero. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That. It's just cold. It, yeah. it, it, like it doesn't really feel much different whether you're negative five or negative 20. The only time it feels colder is when you look at your phone and pull up the temperature and it says negative 23. Yeah, exactly. Then all of a sudden I get to feeling colder. But yeah, no, at that point, you, once when, once ice is forming on your mustache, it's just cold as cold. That's right, bro, for <laughs> sure, man. But it's just something special about that portion of the country. You yeah. just got to do it at least once in your Oh, life. dude, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah, and we, I, I had it rigged up so my, my cameraman, he lives in Idaho. He met me, he brought his wall tent and everything. So we oh yeah, snow, we wall tented wall tent. the whole deal, man. Yeah, it was a general tag and we were back there five days didn't see a single person. See, where we where we grew up at there in the Southeast, that's never gonna happen. That I saw one stuff, truck though. four miles away through my optics one day and that was it. We never. was the same way. We were, most of the time we were spent, uh, we spent in the Bitterroots uh, and we never saw another human. Yeah. And we were chasing deer every day. Yeah, we were so, on elk every day. Exactly, man. So the opportunities are out there. Just gotta get the right gear, do the research, have the right tools, and you guys, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it, trust me. If we can do it. Anybody can do it. And the only <laughs> limitations boys. we have in our lives are the ones you put on yourself. If you wanna do something bad enough, you can and will figure out how to do it. 100%, cool. And so anyway, nice to meet you, brother. Hey, man, Thanks thank for your you, time, dude. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Good to see you here in Salt Lake. Yeah, you too. Um, yeah, that was great, man. All right, well guys, I am here in person with Mr. Robbie Denning. You're the only person that's been on the podcast three times now. Dude, lucky me, man. <laughs> Must be my day. I just love talking to you, man. Um, so yeah, man, what's been going? how was your season? Dude, I finally broke the slump, man. You did? Okay, yeah, I killed okay. a good deer this year. I had gone, and last year I killed was in 2019, and just never came together the last three years. You know, 20, I actually had a really good tag in 20 just didn't pull it off 21 i wounded that really good buck in yeah. 21 and uh um so what's that 2021 and then 22 so i said three years i, I killed i killed a 31 incher the last couple days of the season so okay. it wasn't quite three years but man yeah. it, it was it was looking like it okay. and that was the biggest slump i've had since 97. right you're and probably so, looking at a lot of deer though you're just waiting for the right one right oh yeah, yeah. for sure yeah, yeah. That, that that's really what it was but you know i shot at two really good bucks in those two years too and yeah. that one i wounded another one i missed and you know that's on me yeah um uh, that was archery and uh but you know really for for how much dude i hunted 120 days Woo. to kill a 31 inch you know and this is all you know just pretty much regular tags i had one landowner tag in 2021 um but i didn't tag out on that one either so the rest of them was just pretty much what you can get yeah 
um, through the states and you know and I hunted multiple states and I was on another podcast the other day uh, with Cliff Gray and he was asking me so what you know what do you think it was you're Wyoming I, right oh man I did Wyoming I did no, where Idaho, do you live I did, though I forget what's that where do you live there? I, I live in southeast Idaho okay Idaho yeah, that's right okay. yeah so I was out in Idaho Wyoming Colorado I had a Nevada tag in there so four states I mean it's a little embarrassing <laughs> honestly it's, and when Cliff was asking me like you know what do you think it was I'm like well obviously the missing parts on me but it just it just didn't come together yeah. and sometimes you just get these big long dry streaks in there and and uh so but you broke it this year i broke it dude and it felt so good dude, it felt so good because was, i thought tell me about it i had three days left and uh -huh. so um so you know i started hunting in what late august this year and oh man dude i lost track of the days i hunted this year 30 mm -hmm. something like that and i was down to my last tag and uh, we were in western colorado okay. and uh went, went with a friend uh, uh travis hobbs and we had hunted the unit before it's just an okay unit you know couple first second third rifle this uh third rifle okay and, i've been looking uh, at that hunt there's some there's some good opportunity in there dude there's some great dates right now in fact yeah. probably two good of dates you're right um as, as far you don't as have, you don't have to have a ton of points to draw them either um depends on what unit you go to if um Probably most of the third season units are going to average you probably three points, which I guess isn't a yeah, whole that's bunch. Not crazy, you know, but you know I'm I'm used to hunting every year, so that still right. sounds like a lot to me. See, I only started this whole thing three years ago, so it's like I don't know what yeah. it used to be like, you know. And you know, and you got a good point. I guess that's relatively speaking, that's not a lot of points, but man, to sit on the sidelines for three years to me, that's like an eternity. Oh yeah. So this this was like a one or two point hunt though, and then um, the dates the dates did it for us. I mean, I killed my buck on no. November 14th, Travis killed a good buck the day before, a 30-incher. We both nice. we both got 30-inchers. And um, it's awesome. But you know, I'll tell you what, he killed his on the second day. I killed mine on the third, and there was only what four days left on the day I hunted. And I thought, okay. you know what, I may not get one again this year. <laughs> and it was a lonely old feeling, but it, uh, it, it came together good. well. We're trying to put together a video on it. Oh, cool. Um, because it was such a long slump, I kind of quit filming. Yeah. I just got lazy, I know the dude. Feeling. You get all this video with nothing happening. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did that just the other day, actually. I was like really committed. And then like two days, I hadn't seen a single animal I was looking for. I had three days to kill between my last hunt and this expo. I couldn't go home, so I got an OTC Barbary sheep tag, New uh -huh. Mexico, yep. and just looked for sheep for three days. Yep. I found a stud bighorn, uh -huh. but never saw a single Barbary sheep. Mm -hmm. Anyway, long story short, um, it got to like the third day. I was like, dude, I don't want to pick up my camera. Right. I haven't seen an animal right. in three you days. Do, you get, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you, and dude, I was even worse. I started deleting stuff off oh, my no, camera. You don't do that. And deleting stuff off my, especially my phone, my phone was getting full. You know, I, I only got a 64 meg phone, and, um, or gig, whatever that yeah. is, and uh, I was at like 50 one night, so I just started taking stuff <laughs> off it. And then after I killed this buck, I thought, you know, this was a three-year journey. There's a pretty good story yeah. here. And, dude, I went back. I'm missing so much oh, stuff. Man. So we literally had to scrape stuff together. Yeah. I'm just getting ready to send it to Jordan Bud. Um, okay. uh, she'll, she'll do a professional edit job on it, and I, and I think there's a good story there. I really do. Oh, for sure. Um, uh, but it, it could have been a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Well, dude, I uh, I got my first mule deer. I know you did, yeah. dude. A pretty I got good two one this year. Too. You got two. I didn't see the second okay, one. Okay, so the first one was in your state, mm -hmm. and he yep. was a little guy. Yep. But it was a really tough hunt. Mm -hmm. You know, it was um, I you scouted it from Virginia mm -hmm. and tough area, low density. Mm -hmm. Didn't see we didn't see a single buck for like six days, yep. and then I saw a legal buck. I said, you know what? 
First mule yep. deer, taking them. Awesome, dude. And dude, I know you were where you were hunting. You were talking to me about it, and that to come all the way from Virginia and just e scout and to get a buck, dude. The two yep. bucks. So, so I got, got two mine, bucks on the same and then one? my cameraman had a tag too. Gotcha. Filmed him shoot one. All right, dude, also a dude, small dude, one. Dude, you, you guys, uh, what, it was what? his first mule, mule deer too. Oh, so both of us was our first mule deer. You guys did great, seriously, yeah. dude. That's like breaking the palace, Caesar's palace. That's like breaking the house. I mean, yeah. You and know, then, to, then went to Montana and got a decent one. Gotcha. I didn't see that one. So oh, you didn't? Great. No, no, I didn't. He see was. It. Uh, I'll show you. He was 26 wide, but a big oh, dude, two that's point. Great. You know what? I did see that. I thought that was your Idaho buck. No, no, no. I this just is, got him uh, mixed up, I guess. So yeah, that's, I think I may even send you a picture of him. Yep, yep. Okay, dude, I was just mixed up. I thought that was yep. your Idaho buck. No, that was Dude, my, that's an older buck. Yeah. Too. Yeah, he had some age on him. He had a little bit of, little trash on the back. But, yep. um, and he was just chilling. Like, all the other all the other bucks were cruising, pushing around one or two does. Mm -hmm. He yep. was just bedded with, like, seven does all yeah. around him. Yep. You know, he owned the place. Yeah. yeah, that tells you right there he's an older buck, yeah. you know. And uh, that's cool, man. That's cool. Seriously, yeah. get get two bucks on your first year out because it was your first year mule deer hunting. First right? mule deer hunting. All right. Yeah, and right. you played a huge part in helping me oh, get ready for you, it, man. man. Thank Inspiration. you. Inspiration and uh, yeah, mule deer was the animal actually that like drew me to the West. Honestly, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. there was an older guy that was a friend of my dad's, and he'd come back you know, in the heyday, come out and mm -hmm. did the whole thing, you know, wall tents and the big yep. hold yep. the big, you know, and yep. I was like. You know, elk are awesome, but I know you're a mule deer guy, and that's I'm a deer guy too. Like I, yeah. I've kind of discovered. Yeah. Still love elk, but I'm a, I'm a deer guy. So that's the species that brought me out, and then just it just reminded me too. Like when I was driving here from New Mexico, I'm used to looking for deer. Like all right, let's look in the fields, look in the flat stuff. Yeah, right. And and but I'm driving, and I'm seeing all the tracks, all the mule deer tracks. Uh -huh. are up the mountains up the banks and yeah. it's like these deer are just they're different they, yeah, they're they and when i was in new mexico i found a few mule deer they were higher than the bighorn sheep mm -hmm. yep i've seen that before too <laughs> and i was like that's that's why these things are special because yep. where they take you yeah that's you know? that's that's a good way to put it yeah and, and, and you know sometimes i get you know i love hunting big bucks and i get caught up in that sometimes i just like this year you know going through some slow periods i just had to kind of sit back and like, you know what it's okay if i don't get one yeah because man you do you go some cool places you get to do some cool things you know to get to hunt with travis hobbs you know he's a good good friend of mine and but it's hard to get the same tag it's hard to get yeah. the same time off work and all that stuff and so you know there's a lot more besides the antlers and i was reminded that this year so for sure um, the whole experience yeah especially when um yeah especially from like guy like me you know um coming out and so my for the montana hunt my cameraman he lives in Idaho, mm -hmm. and he was able to come, and he, he brought his wall tent and everything. Mm -hmm. so we had a nice, he got right. back up in there to a spot where um, we didn't see another hunter for we the whole six days we were back mm -hmm. there. Yeah. But we had a nice wall tent set up, and um, it was well, negative 23 the, in the first night. You guys had those called for, so all the hunters <laughs> are like, we're not going here. <laughs> no, we were chasing bucks every day. Again, they weren't giants, uh -huh. but they were like nice, couple four points, you know. Gotcha. Um, and but yeah, the first night was negative twenty three, and we were sleeping in my teepee. Yep. And we didn't want to commit, you know, to the area yeah. yet. Yeah, it was so fun, man. Oh yes, twenty three below in the teepee. Yeah. Holy smoly! Yeah. Did you guys have a heater? We did. We had a little Mister Buddy heater there to kind of knock the chill off, but it didn't stay on all night. No, no. You don't want. I never feel good about running them all no. night. It scares me. You yeah. Know? yeah. Even if you got ventilation, and when it's that cold, if you ventilate the tent, you're losing all your heat anyways. Exactly. So. Yeah, cool, so. man. It was cold. So twenty three in the in the. <laughs> pump tent. Dude, where yeah. I'm from, 23 is cold. Negative 23 is yeah. like next level. That is, yeah, that is, dude. You know, in Colorado, 
Colorado that opening day, it was nine below when we got up. Oh my and we God. did have a wall tent and everything. Man, everything was frozen. Yeah. The stove was frozen. Right. The coffee was frozen. I mean, everything you picked up was frozen. I mean, that's yeah, just, that's hard you're living. putting stuff in coolers to keep it not frozen. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Right. You heat it up, throw a hot water bottle in the cooler. Yeah. And then uh, hope in the world. morning, you know, your lettuce and everything isn't brown. So. Yeah. That's a different world, man. So you got any cool uh, hunts this year coming up? Um, you know, right now it's just so early. We don't know what we got coming. Yeah. So, you know, pro probably just general season Idaho for yeah. sure. And then, you know, if I can pick up a tag or two on something else, uh, but I won't know. Yeah. I won't know right now. I can't go back to Colorado for where I went last year um, because I don't have any points. And uh, so we'll just have to see. Yeah. Just just play the odds. But do, it seems I, like you always end up with more tags than you can hunt. I know. You know. Still. Everyone always whines about opportunity, but you can get it. You can get it's tags. It's still there. You're right. Dude. Yeah. It's still there. And like this year, dude, at the end of the year, I mean, dude, I was so tired. I was like, you know, I didn't have any great tags, and I still had, you know, more days in the field, which, you know, that's the, one of the advantages of having great tags. You don't have to hunt so much. And you got your buck. Yep, and I got my buck. Yep. So. I got, I have another, I have an Idaho, Idaho deer tag this year again, um, but it's a spot I've never been to. I, like, all my top choices were gone. Mm -hmm. I was number 5,000 in line, yeah. which I thought was actually pretty good. Yeah. But all, all my I choices know. were gone. Compared to 43,000. So yeah. So I just, uh, got what I could. I think it's actually a pretty decent unit. Awesome, dude. That's great. Maybe yeah. I'll ask about it. Yeah, that whole thing that Idaho's gone to, that is rough. And I don't know what would fix it. I mean, even if it was a draw, you're obviously seeing the demand yeah. for oh, those yeah. tags by how many people are in line. Crazy so demand. Maybe it is better just to fight the, fight that day and take the day off work. I mean, I know guys are taking the day off work yeah. to get a freaking deer tag. I mean, I, who would I think? declare my schedule. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's serious. Yeah. And, and dude, a lot of them, they just didn't get what they, some of them didn't get anything. Yeah. You know, just to, that'd yeah. be a way to fix that. So. Well, cool, man. Well, it was good catching up with you, dude. Hey, you too, man. Thanks for having me on. Time, God bless you. Good yeah, luck dude. with the podcast and everything. And uh, Oh, dude, I tell you, I'm launching a show on Sportsman Channel. All right. In Q3. All right. This year. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there, dude. Just, um, just, just, I'll watch your Instagram page. So half of them are, half the episodes are going to be hunt films mm -hmm. and then half are going to be kind of interview based where I like sit down mm -hmm. talk with a guy like you mm -hmm. about a hunt that they've filmed yep. asking questions watching it together All right, and man. kind what of diving idea. into a hunt film good deal and it'll be on Sportsman's channel mm -hmm. did I hit that right alright yeah. man so maybe good have you you. on you're going places I'm trying no, you're working hard <laughs> I'm trying man hard work always pays off well you've been a big inspiration and help along the way so well thank you, you very much and I, I will watch for that seriously yeah absolutely I, man I, I will be on there so yeah great dude